Welcome to episode 151 of the Daniel Yoris Podcast, a solo chat on intermittent fasting. Let's go. About 10 years ago or so, I started to educate myself in addition to and outside of the things that we were learning in school on nutrition and fitness and fat loss and muscle gain and all the things. And at the time, intermittent fasting was kind of a hot topic, pretty well just like it is right now. And I don't say this and start this episode off meaning to say like, hey, I knew about this before you did. The point of me starting with that is to make it very clear that intermittent fasting or extended fast three day, five day, seven day, however many days, these are not new things. This is not a new concept. It is currently on trend as things go. And in the give or take 10 years that I've been doing this and looking into these things and researching for myself and experimenting and coaching people, I'm now starting to see this stuff come full circle. I remember hearing about you know people who are older than me and ahead of me saying like, oh yeah, these things, everything comes and goes and it just gets rebranded and repackaged. And I kind of thought, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever you say. And now I'm starting to see that and I haven't really been around all that long in the grand scheme of things. I mean, 10 years is not, not nothing, but it's not that long either. So intermittent fasting, these things are not new. It's on trend right now for a number of reasons, right? Every so often, uh, things things come and go. A different influencer, a different celebrity will get a hold of it and hear about it for the first time and talk about it and rave and rant and make it a big deal. And then it gets traction. You know, a new book will come out, a, a new documentary or a movie or something happens that makes it popular. And right now, it's pretty popular. And it's certainly something that I've spoken about often on the podcast, maybe not super often, but definitely not never. I've definitely talked about it before, but not in an entire episode solely dedicated to it. And so that's why I wanted to discuss it today to sort of weed out some of the science behind what's going on and discuss some of the pros and the cons of, of both of these things. Now, to start off, I have done intermittent fasting in the past. I When I started, I was like, oh, this is this is the thing, right? I thought it was the thing as well. I did it. It worked, I guess. It helped, um, but it's not something that I've stuck with for forever. I currently don't use it. Um, however, I will use it <laughs> intermittently to make a, to make a, a pun of it. Um, I'll use it here and there and, and for selective reasons that I'll discuss maybe a little bit towards more of the end of the episode. Because like anything, it is just a tool. A very quick reminder of how fat loss works. That is the number one thing that people will use intermittent fasting for and number one reason that you would probably use it for. Despite a lot of the the, the posts and stuff that you see say, I don't use it for the for the for weight loss benefits. I'll do a fast for all of the other health benefits. And they say health benefits and they don't really know what it means and they'll throw out a bunch of terms, a bunch of science sounding words that are just like not true. But then in the promotion of their thing, the post, the video, the whatever, they're talking about, look at the, you know, my before and after picture and using their their weight loss as a way to promote the fact that it's good and then say that they're not actually doing it for weight loss, which I think is very silly and extremely disingenuous. But anyways, the thing to the thing to remind you of before we kind of dig into things is how fat loss works. Now, fat loss works 
through what's called a calorie deficit. Calories are energy that is found in food and our body uses converts food into energy as in calories to be used to move your body, function your heart and do all of the things that your body does. So when we consume less calories than our body requires, our body's an energy deficit, a calorie deficit, it then takes that energy from our stored body fat and that is how we lose fat. There's no if, ands, or buts. There's no discussion. There's no debate around that. We lose fat by being in a calorie deficit. Now, the confusion comes in because there are many, many, many ways to create a calorie deficit. First and most obvious is counting your calories or macro counting where you're going to weigh and measure all of your food or measure the protein, carbs, and fats and calories of everything you eat and try and hit a certain number. And if you hit that number, you'll be in a calorie deficit and therefore you'll lose weight. And it doesn't really matter what you eat so long as you hit that number, you're going to lose weight. Fine. That's number one or one way to do it. Intermittent fasting is another method. Intermittent fasting is skipping several meals. And we'll talk about you know, some of the different methods of intermittent fasting in a minute, but you're skipping meals. You're, you're putting time restrictions on when you're eating. So therefore, if you are eating for less time of the day, conceivably, you are consuming less food. Consuming less food means you're consuming less calories. Consuming less calories means calorie deficit. If you cut out all carbohydrates, you want to go keto or low carb. Eating less carbohydrates means you're eating less food, means you're eating less calories, means calorie deficit, weight loss. Vegan, carnivore, any other diet you can think of is finding some way to restrict or control or limit the amount of food that you're eating. Therefore, you'll eat less food, therefore consume less calories, therefore calorie deficit, therefore fat loss. And that's how it works. That's how every diet works. That's how every single diet ever will ever work forever until we merge with aliens and AI robots and our entire human physiology is completely flipped on its head. Until that time, calorie deficit is the only way to lose weight. Now that we understand that, let's talk a little bit more about intermittent fasting itself, which is why you're here. So, There are several ways to do intermittent fasting. The most common way is the 16-8, as it's called, and this just refers to the number of hours in the day. So you're going to eat for an eight-hour window and fast or not eat or consume any calories for a 16-hour window. The easiest way to draw this up is people will not eat until 12 noon. You'll have your lunch or snacks and dinner and whatever from 12 noon until 8 p.m. Then from 8 p.m., through the night all the way until 12 p.m. the next day, you won't eat, and that is your fasting window. Now, that's one way to do it. You can do a 12-12 where there's 12 hours of fasting. Um, Some people will also do like a 5-2, as it's called, and that would be like five days of normal eating, two days of fasting. You can do a fast for 24 hours once a week, and most commonly, people have been talking about a 72-hour fast or a multiple-day fast, and this has kind of been one of the the bigger trends as of uh, as of recently. Now, the longer fasts are a little bit different because they're not used perpetually. They would be used every so often or maybe quarterly or 
what have you, but it's not like people are not, no one's doing, not no one, but you shouldn't be doing a three day water only fast uh, every single week. That would be, that would be pretty, uh, pretty silly. But these are some of the ways to do it. Now, some of you who maybe have never heard of it, maybe have never done intermittent fasting might hear something like that. Like let's use the 16, eight fast because that is the most common and it doesn't really it doesn't really matter the timing that you do it. Most commonly people will do, you know, noon till 8 p.m., but you could do 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. or, uh, you know, whatever you want, 8, p- 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. or whatever else. Now, some of you will hear that and say like, oh, don't eat till noon and then stop eating at 8 o'clock. Like, it just sounds like skipping breakfast. And uh, you're right. that <laughs> That is pretty much what it is. Now, to go back to my very first point about how this is not new and about how there are no real secrets in fitness, think about, and I've encountered hundreds of these people over the years, think about how many people you know who don't know what intermittent fasting is, they are not interested in fitness, Not they don't diet, they're not you know, health uh, nuts or whatever. They're not, they're not into the gym. They're not into this stuff. They don't listen to podcasts like this, which, you know, send it to them. But think of those people who are overweight and they don't eat breakfast and they don't eat until lunchtime, right? Their first meal of the day is lunch. They'll drink coffee. They'll drink water in the morning, whatever. They don't eat until lunchtime. They'll have uh, lunch. They'll have a snack and they'll have dinner. And that's it. They go to bed. Then they don't eat till lunchtime again the next day. And they're overweight. These people are doing intermittent fasting without knowing it. And yet, they're still overweight or otherwise unhealthy. This goes to show that intermittent fasting itself is not the secret. Because intermittent fasting, in without the presence of a calorie deficit, which is something we're going to talk about, doesn't produce weight loss because the fasting does nothing for weight loss. The calorie deficit is the thing that does the weight loss. So you can do a thing without actually knowing you're doing a thing. If you are under eating by accident in a calorie deficit, you will lose weight. Just because you're not counting the calories doesn't mean that they don't count. So things can happen. Your physiology doesn't care what you think you're doing. It cares what's actually happening. So whether you're skipping breakfast or not skipping breakfast, whether you're under eating calories or overeating calories, whether you know what you're doing or not, the same things are going to result or the same results are going to happen in your physiology because that is how it works. So uh, hopefully that's a, it's a decent kind of just understanding of what some of the main practices around intermittent fasting are. Um, Now I'll talk a little bit about some of what I think are the pros and then the cons. Um, Then I'm going to go through and do a little bit of myth busting and some of what some of the reported, you know, benefits are and and talk about some of the science of that. And then uh, my thoughts and kind of sum it all up from there. So one of the biggest pros of intermittent fasting is that you will get familiar with what it's like to feel hungry. This is important because oftentimes being hungry is uncomfortable and that's you know normal. Our body doesn't like to doesn't like to starve. 
However, being hungry is not an emergency. And in fact, when you're trying to lose weight, being hungry is kind of a necessity. So through intermittent fasting, you will learn to be like, hey, um, especially when you start, if, if, you've, if, you've not, if you're a breakfast eater and you eat all through the day and whatever, then it will, be, it will be tough for you the first few days or few weeks. You'll be like, wow, I'm like really hungry. This is like uncomfortable. Um, I don't like this feeling. And eventually, you'll just get used to it because you realize that like, okay, I, I can be hungry for a little bit now and then I'm going to be good. After that, I'll get to eat and I'll be fine. And that hunger wasn't an emergency. Now, the the value or the positive of getting comfortable with this is that you don't react instinctively or emotionally to hunger pangs or feelings of hunger, which is a which is a real problem for a lot of people where every single time they feel even the slightest bit of hunger, they feel like, oh, I got I gotta get a snack, I gotta get something, I gotta get a little something to nibble on just to just to satisfy my hunger. There's two things wrong with this. One, one, you're probably not hungry if you're over-consuming calories, and most people are over-consuming calories. Two, sometimes hunger is disguised, or sorry, dehydration is disguised as hunger, or even lack of sleep is de- is disguised as hunger. And so you reach for something just to satisfy that hunger feeling, but you weren't really hungry. You actually need something else, and that's just like perpetuating a problem that you're not solving. So understanding that there may be other ways to squash your hunger and that being hungry is not an emergency is an extremely valuable tool for long-term healthy eating habits and especially for fat loss in the long run. As far as the extended fast goes, the biggest pro and, and potentially the only actual pro of the extended fast two, three, four plus days is that it can be a phenomenal mental exercise. It's a very difficult thing to do, right? Uh, A multiple day fast is a lot more difficult than like not eating for 12 hours or 16 hours. It's tough. You got to go to work. You got to do stuff and you're not eating. It's a great mental exercise. And as far as doing hard things, not dissimilar to like an ice bath or just a really hard workout or just anything that's difficult, right? You know that it's going to end, it's going to be hard, and you're going to be mentally stronger, conceivably, from doing it. So there's there can be extreme value in that, in just doing hard things. I've always been a proponent of that. I've always I always will be a proponent of that. However, it's all it's also important to note that none of those things are as hard as doing the things that you need to be doing consistently over and over and over again. And one of the problems that I see with these extended fasts and people feeling so good and whatever after them is then they go right back in to their previous habits, in which case you're, you didn't really get further ahead. Like you're, you, you reward yourself for doing this hard thing by going back to your old habits, in which case you're then just going to need to redo this three-day fast to get what you just got, and you're not actually any further ahead. So that is something that I would be careful of, is doing something that is hard for the sake of something, for the sake of doing something that's hard, but not actually doing the real hard stuff, which is doing the simple stuff again and again and again and again and again. So there's that. It's a good mental exercise and, and that can be that can be extremely valuable. Another pro of intermittent fasting, and this is more uh, the intermittent side and as well with the with the extended fast, you can get an increased 
consciousness around your eating, which I think is extremely important. And again, you can go about this multiple ways, but the fasting is one of them. And what this means is that, again, you're paying more attention to your hunger cues. So when it's time to eat, you're going to hopefully savor your food a little bit more, enjoy your food, be a little bit more grateful for your food, pay more attention to what you're eating. And this is the most important part. So much of our eating is completely unconscious. We can't remember what we ate for lunch. We can't remember what we had, you know, two hours ago. But we we should be conscious of everything that we're eating. This way we can actually make choices and figure out what we're doing wrong, what we can improve, and what we can change in order to get the results that we want. This is why with all of my online clients and my in-person clients as well, I have them fill out a food log. It's like one of the first things that we do. Everyone thinks they eat pretty well. And a lot of people who are overweight who say they eat pretty well, and I trust me, I don't really eat that much. Usually that's not the case because if it were, you wouldn't be in the situation that you're in. And that's not judgment. That's just the truth. And so when we look at the food log, nine times out of 10, the reaction is, oh, wow, I didn't I didn't realize that I had that. You know, I didn't realize that I always snacked on chips after dinner. I didn't realize how much whatever I was eating or how little water I, water I was drinking or how little protein I ate or something like that. So using utilizing the fasting is a way to just pay more attention to what you're eating because you are putting some rules around it. And, th- and this now that I'm saying this, I'm less certain that it's a pro of fasting and it's more and it's and I'm not sure that it's not just a pro of dieting in general, where when you start to pay attention to your to your food, you're just going to be more conscious of it. It's certainly a pro of fasting and the hunger thing is going to be the biggest thing. Um, but certainly you'll you'll become you become a little bit more conscious and just more aware of what you're eating. Now, on that note, putting rules around foods, like I saw, t- spoke about earlier, when you have any named diet, intermittent fasting, low-carb, keto, carnivore, vegan, whatever, the advantage of these diets versus simply paying attention to your calories is that you can pay less attention to your calories sometimes. The reason is because you've put these rules around what you're, what you can and can't eat, these rules automatically limit the amount of food that you can eat. By automatically limiting the amount of food you eat, conceivably, you're going to eat less calories. Eating less calories leads to weight loss. So you don't need to pay as much attention. Now, the downside to this, which I kind of start to go into now, is that this may or may not be a sustainable way for you to live forever. Because what happens if you can't do your intermittent fasting for some reason. You're you have like a breakfast meeting and then like a dinner meeting or you know who knows any number of things that would lead you to not being able to complete your intermittent fasting for a decent amount of time. Then you have no framework as to how to go about it and you're just going to blow your food out of the water. That's not good. So the rules the rules are good when you're able to follow them and that's why they work. But they're really bad when you're not able to follow them because they don't allow for flexibility. And that is the biggest downside of it. So those are the the biggest pros around fasting. Again, the biggest thing is that you're going to get real comfortable being hungry, and that's a valuable skill. And this is why I think that 
it's valuable to do some form of intermittent fasting or like even 24 hour fasts every so often just to just to get comfortable with that skill and understand what that feels like and then whether you use it or not after that is is a is a separate discussion but it's one of these things where it's like hey if you can if you can get this skill down then this is going to be a useful tool to have in the in the toolbox going forward some of the cons and this list might be a little bit longer notice how in the in the pros section we're going to come back to this but notice how i didn't say anything about increased growth hormone increased testosterone increased blah 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 reduced cancer blah, all these things just notice that those things were left out cons the biggest con is you're gonna have low energy for your workouts now this is mostly only true if you're going to be working out fasted right if you're working out before lunch or in the morning you wake up and just go to the gym you haven't eaten you're going to have lower energy now some of you might say and this is another thing that I did not include in the pros, which is which is a common thing that is included in a pro of fasting, but it's not actually a pro of fasting. It's a pro of improving your diet. People say that they have improved energy in the in the mornings or in the time when they're fasted. To this point, and I used to think this as well. To this point, though, most people wake up, they have a shitty breakfast. It's just like a carb-filled, empty, you know, bagel and butter and go and not really a good breakfast, no protein, no fat, not a particularly nutritious breakfast. If that is your breakfast, you're going to have poor energy in the mid-morning, almost 100% of the time. So if your comparison is that versus not eating, yeah, maybe not eating in the morning is going to be the better move for you. However, if you replace the shitty breakfast with a better breakfast, protein, fat, fiber-filled breakfast, you're going to have better energy because you're giving your body better fuel. Therefore, when you get into the gym, you're going to have more energy for a better workout and you'll have better gym results. So overall, the fasting is going to give you less energy in the in the gym in the times that you're fasting. Now, if you're, if you're training in the time between when you're eating, then the you probably wouldn't, this probably wouldn't impact you. But if you're training before or even after, like, I don't know about you, but after I work out a serious training session, like I'm pretty hungry uh, and I want to eat. So I wouldn't, I couldn't imagine like if I had my workout after my last meal of the day, then I went to train and then just didn't eat for like another 16 hours. That'd be miserable. And so you wouldn't want to work out that hard because you wouldn't want that feeling. So probably going to have low energy for your workouts. Having said that, because your training sessions are going to be worse, it's going to be hard to put on muscle. Also, on this same note, most people struggle to eat enough protein as it is in regular eating. When you've now limited the amount of time that you can eat, you mostly, excuse me, you mostly will limit the amount of meals that you eat as well. Instead of having three meals in that eight-hour window or six-hour window or whatever you do, maybe you've only got time for two meals, maybe even one meal. If you already struggle to get your protein in, by lessening the amount of meals you're eating, you're only going to make that issue more difficult. So you really have to pay more attention to that because your meals have to have 
maybe twice as much protein as they would if you were if you were spreading your amount of protein over three meals well you've got to now spread that over two meals or two meals and a snack or whatever it is but you've got less time to get in the same amount of protein your protein requirements don't lessen because your eating window has lessened that doesn't work protein is not a per meal requirement it's like a per day requirement and it doesn't matter whether you're eating once or 10 times you've got to get the amount of protein in so if you struggle to get protein in it's going to make it even harder to get the protein in when you're eating less frequently throughout the day. Another con of fasting, and, th- and th- this goes, this is one of those ones that it, it de- very much depends on the person. For some people, this is the exact reason why it works. And for some people, this is the exact reason why it doesn't work. For some people, the hunger is too much. They can't handle it. And this will happen early on. And, and but it, for some people, it can even happen extended into the like, you know, weeks or months into doing intermittent fasting. When they're finally allowed to eat, they, 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 you know, you're counting down the clock, the clock strikes 12 o'clock and you just go to town on whatever food you're about to eat and you way overstuff your face and you eat way too much because calories are the, the important thing, right? This is, this is someone who doesn't understand what's happening probably by no fault of their own, but they've been told that, you know, don't eat till 12 PM or you'll gain fat. And so they wait until 12 p.m. At 11.59, that food was going to you know, make them fat. But at 12.01, they're good to go. And so they just go to town and they crush way too much food, eat way too much, and then they end up gaining weight. And then they're confused. Well, I did the intermittent fasting. I'm not sure why. It's because you weren't actually told or educated or coached on what's going on here. And so if the hunger is causing you to actually overeat or it can happen at the beginning of the fast. It can also happen at the end of the eating window where you get this this continued fear of like, okay, it's 7.45. I know I've got to stop eating at eight o'clock, but like, I'm going to be so hungry later. And you go and reach for snacks and you try and like fill yourself up at 7.45 because if you eat until 7.59, you're good. But as long as if you have one bite at 8.01, you're going to get fat, which is not true. But if that's how you think, you're going to, you might stuff your face from 745 up until eight o'clock because that's in the free zone and therefore you end up overeating. And so this is where that fundamental lack of understanding of the way nutrition works and physiology works really kind of bites you in the butt with fasting if you are not paying attention to the total amount that you're eating. So sometimes putting the rules in of the eating window can make you eat less, but sometimes inadvertently it can also force you to eat more because you're not handling the the lack of hunger hunger well, and you're actually again you have a misunderstanding of what you're trying to do and why it is or isn't working. These are some of the main cons, and I think that the cons are a little bit stronger than the pros because the cons are a little bit more concrete. The pros are not something that's really going to, they don't last as long. The cons are like, well, yeah, you can, you can get around these things, but you can't fix the fact that you're not going to have energy for your workouts in the morning by not eating. Once you learn how to deal with your hunger from the pros, you can kind of just like take that, stick it in your back pocket and use it for later and then go about eating breakfast and whatever. And by the way, I should have mentioned this earlier. And I guess I'll kind of get into this with some of the reported pros now, but I can't figure out, I can figure this out. 
most people, when they talk about intermittent fasting, they talk about skipping breakfast, right? You push your your meal late into the day, you start eating at 12, 1, 2 o'clock, whatever it is, you go into the nighttime. Why do they say this? Why does no one say, skip breakfast? The reason is because socially, we eat dinner together. You have dinner meetings, you have dinner with your family, dinner with your friends and all that stuff. And people don't want to give that up. Understandably so. I, I agree with that. I wouldn't want to give up dinner with my family and friends either. But do you think that physiology cares about that? Do you think that a calorie deficit cares about dinner with your buddies, dinner with your boss? It doesn't give a shit. So why does everyone promote it that way? Because it's easier to sell. Because it makes it sound like it's more sense. Which there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is trying to make it sound like this scientifically sound thing, except we'll just like fudge this part of it because that makes it easier to to stick to. When in reality, what we should be doing, according to the studies, is if you're going to have a fasting window or an eating window, rather, it should be in line with your circadian rhythm, which is the sun, which means that you should be eating breakfast. Eat when the sun comes up, eat through the day as you're working and you know playing and training and doing all the stuff. And when the sun goes down, that's when you should stop eating, right? You eat in line with that because after the sun goes down, we try and wind down and we try to go to sleep. Midnight doesn't have to be the beginning of the night. It should be the middle of the night. So if you're waking earlier, eating earlier when the sun comes up, eating throughout the day, the daytime, then stop eating. But that day ends at 4, 5, 6 p.m. So maybe that means skipping dinner if that's your fasting window, right? If you're doing an eight-hour window, it's 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. You're going to skip dinner? Nah, but nobody would follow that. And so therefore, no one sells that because it's not cool. It doesn't sound doable. It doesn't sound feasible. However, the science, quote-unquote, would be the same because all these fasting benefits would happen from a 16-hour fast. And in fact, there might even be more benefits from eating earlier in the morning and skipping the meals later in the day because of the way that sleep is affected by late meals. People are pushing their fasting windows deep, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, so you can eat until 10, 11 p.m. and then go to sleep. That's silly. We know that de- we know that big meals before sleep negatively affect sleep. It's not that it puts on more fat, it just negatively affects your sleep. We know this. This is not disputable. And yet, we're saying that, or people are saying that the fasting outweighs that because it allows you to eat late at night. doesn't allow you to eat late at night. You just do that and make it work for you. But it's not optimal. It's not the best way to do things. So anyways, that's just part of a rant and, and something that I, like, I know, again, people say this because it sells not because it's right. And I really strongly implore you to, you know, put, put, put things through that filter. So some of the reported pros, the sales pitches, let's say, growth hormone increases, testosterone increases, more fat burning, uh, cancer reduction, all-cause mortality, killing dead cells, reducing insulin, reducing inflammation, brain benefits and reduce brain fog. All These are all things that is that are said that comes from fasting. I offer this thought. One, the science doesn't exactly support this. So there's that. But two, all of these things also happen if you 
reduce body fat, and improve your overall lifestyle. So, if fasting is the thing that gets you to stop eating Cocoa Puffs for breakfast in the morning, you're probably better off not eating anything rather than eating the Cocoa Puffs. Maybe the intermittent fasting, you get all excited about the thing, you start a workout program, maybe you start walking a little bit more, you start choosing some better foods and what have you. Is it the fasting that is doing the things or is it all of the other things that you're doing that is improving your growth hormone, improving your sleep, improving your testosterone, uh, burning more fat, improving your or reducing your risk for cancer? Killing dead cells is the silliest thing ever. I don't even know what that means. And no one knows what it means. They just say it and just like, oh, autophagy. It's it's already happening. If it wasn't happening, your body's not functioning properly. Reducing insulin, reducing inflammation, all these things, they're already, these things happen from an improved lifestyle and from improving or reducing your body weight, improving your overall health. They are not unique to fasting. So do they happen? If you intermittent fast and improve your health, yes. Do they happen if you don't intermittent fast and still improve your diet, improve your exercise, improve your sleep? Yes, they do. Therefore, fasting, intermittent fasting or longer extended fasts are not the reason that those things are happening. And this is what people don't understand. And this is what and and again, by no fault of your own, this is a complicated thing to, it sounds simple, maybe broken down, but it's not that easy to decipher this. And especially in the face of millions of dollars of marketing that is behind all these things, it's just not the way it works because, not because, if it were the way it works, why do you think every single person wouldn't do this? I've said this before as a filter. Is the person who's saying this smarter than every single other person ever in the history of the world or is what they're saying wrong? Only one of those things can be true because if they were right, intermittent fasting is not a new thing. It's been around as long as I've been paying attention to this stuff and I'm sure well before that and it will come back again in another you know, cyclical manner. There's been enough time, enough anecdotal data, enough research, enough everything. If it were the be-all, end-all answer, Every single doctor, trainer, fitness, influencer, health, nutritionist person would do it. However, it's not the only thing that works, and there are lots of things that work. Therefore, it's not the magic pill. It might be part of you know a strategy that works for you. It's a tool, but it's not the thing that works. It's not the only thing that works. One other thing, fasted cardio. There would be a big a lot of proponents who will say, Oh, I don't really, uh, I do intermittent fasting because I can wake up and I can just do my fasted cardio and then I'll train later in the day. And fasted cardio burns more fat. Partly true, but not enough to matter. Fasted cardio will make you burn more fat during the session and then less fat the rest of the day versus not fasted cardio will make you burn less fat during the session and relatively more fat during the rest of the day for a net difference of zero. And this is one of the things, again, where when you only look into a part of the study or the part of the study that fits your marketing message, you can make this claim. You can say, 
during exercise, fasted cardio burns more fat than fed cardio. And it's not an incorrect statement, but it's an incomplete statement because does it matter how much fat you burn in a one-hour session or does it matter how much fat you burn overall? If we just talk about, let's use units, right? Let me just draw this out. If I burn one fat unit during my fasted cardio session and then the rest of the day I burn five fat units because the rest of the day is longer, fine. Versus my fed cardio, I got to make sure I get my math on this right. My fed cardio, I burn 0.5 units of fat. And the rest of the day, I burn five and a half units of fat. So for a total on each of them of six units of fat per day, which one of those people is going to lose fat faster? Neither. They're both losing the same amount of fat per day or burning the same amount of fat per day. So this is a thing that there's a lot of trickery. There's a lot of trickery and there's a lot of not lies, but incomplete truths or incomplete statements. Now, it's just very important to understand that a lot of these purported benefits, again, they're not wrong, but like they're not from the fasting. They're just from improving your lifestyle overall. And that is the most important thing. Control your calories, get your protein in, train a few times a week, walk as much as you can, sleep as well as you can, drink lots of water, have a good social circle. You do those things, all of those other things, testosterone, growth hormone, everything, everything is going to improve, everything. As far as my personal relationship with fasting and my kind of recommendations, I'll say this. I, uh, I don't prefer it. I do not use it anymore except for on occasion. These occasions that I will use intermittent fasting are like holidays or travel days or you know days where I know that I'm going to I'm going to have like a huge meal or a series of meals later on in the day. Like Christmas would be an example like okay we know we're going to have a huge Christmas dinner so I'll just not eat basically the whole day and then just like you know go go nuts at dinner because I'm pretty certain that even if I go as crazy as I can with food in one meal, I'm not going to be that far over my calories for the day anyways. So that's one way that I kind of use it. Um, I will also use like 24-hour fasts as a way to, and this is <laughs> to, to discredit my own self here, Somewhat unscientific and and something that I, uh, I'll admit that I don't fully understand but feels good to me is I'll use these 24-hour fasts to like give my digestive system a break. And what I mean by that is this. If, if again, after a holiday or after like a, a vacation or a period of time of not eating well or if like my stomach's just not feeling good for whatever reason, if I've had a meal at a restaurant or just some foods that didn't uh, agree with my stomach or something like that, it feels good to me to just kind of not eat for a day. And I don't really know why or what's happening or the deep-rooted you know, physiology of what what's going on there. And I don't think anyone really does, to be honest. That whole gut health thing is a 
is a whirlwind to try and to try and discover. And it's not like I've tried to pay attention to this and track this and whatever. And it's not exactly cl- clear why it's happening because it's not always the same foods and it doesn't happen very often. But anyways, I'll just kind of say like, hey, I, I just really feel like I I need to not eat today. And it'll also most likely be a day that I don't train. I'll like walk or whatever, but I won't train on that day because it'll just be a shitty training session. Anyways, and I kind of already don't feel good because my stomach and my gut just feels horrible. Um, and I'll just not eat for a day, kind of like a dinner to a dinner thing. Um, and then most of the time, not all the time, but like greater than 50% of the time, maybe like 70% of the time, I'll feel better after that. I just feel like, okay, I just needed to like not eat because everything that was going in was not feeling good. Like just the whole gut, everything was like out of whack and I just needed to not give it anything except for water for a bit and then I'm good. So that that's one way that I use it. Now I've, I've gotten pretty, I did intermittent fasting for like probably a year or so when I like really first started into this stuff, realized that my training was starting to get shit and, uh, and you know, kind of stopped it and you know, came to some some of the conclusions that I mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, I still use it. So I, I've come to terms with my hunger. I don't viscerally react to being hungry anymore. Of course, I still feel hungry and it, it, it sucks, but I can just suck it up at this point. I understand it. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, I'm hungry. I got to get something right now. It's not how I it's not how I feel anymore, but I've learned that lesson, moved on and, and you know have that tool in my back pocket. So I would say this, if you're interested in trying intermittent fasting, Go for it. There, there, there's no long-term downsides to trying this. I think it's a good tool. I think it's a good thing to to learn and to experience. I don't think it's a forever strategy. Um, it tends to work or be more beneficial or be more in line with men than with women. I know that a lot of women really struggle with it, uh, with the just with just intermittent fasting, and so just keep that in the back of your mind. But also don't convince yourself that this is the thing, right? With all these things, like if you believe it, then it's true. If you convince yourself that it's going to be shit for you, then of course it's going to be shit for you. If you convince yourself it's going to be amazing, then you're going to get better results than you would otherwise. So, you know, take that take that with a grain of salt. But um, yeah, I would recommend giving it a go if it at all interests you. But understand what you're actually doing and why what you're doing is working or not working and then really have a think about how you can implement this in your life going forward and what lessons you have learned going forward. So that is my spiel on intermittent fasting. I hope that this has cleared up a lot of the messaging, a lot of the nonsense, a lot of the tomfoolery. There's a new word for the podcast that has come recently with uh, with this recent push trend hype on intermittent fasting and the extended fasts um because it's a it's tough it's tough to navigate these things and i'm and i'm and i'm well aware of that so i i appreciate you trusting me to to help you navigate this and guide you in this uh if you have questions obviously feel free to reach out anytime at daniel yoris on instagram is the best place to reach me um what else do i got to say that's that if you're looking for coaching hit me up on Instagram, on my website. Love to work with you and help you navigate this field on an even more individual and personal level to help you hit your goals, especially, especially, especially if you're getting married this year, then I'm your guy. Let's do it together. I'm going to get super jacked the rest of this year and up until my wedding next year. So 
that's that. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Share this episode with a friend, all that good stuff. Uh, five-star review ratings, all those things. Go outside, be a good person. See you next time.